Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2020, Children's Urban Fantasy, one chapter a day up until Christmas. Chapter 21. The Raid. The fastest route to the Engineerium was unfortunately via the steepest hill in Brighton. Once the gang had pushed up to the top of the hill, it was plain sailing all the way to Hove Park. The railway track at Hove Park wasn't for normal trains. It was a miniature track for miniature trains which could pull a few people at a time. By the time they arrived at the bottom of the park, it was fully dark. The train station was just a shed on the other side of a low fence. The Greenhands gang carried their bikes over the fence, over two low tracks, and hid them up against a wall behind some large bushes. Zen should be around here somewhere, Jenny said. Up here, Zen called out. Looks like you brought a whole army. The rat was sitting atop the station shed, pike across its lap, looking down at the children. Hope you all like climbing. The way over the wall is easiest from up here. There was a high brick wall behind the shed. It ran parallel to the train track, marking the edge of Hove Park. Is the engineerium on the other side of the wall? Adrian asked. Nah, it's just a garden. Bobby looked over the edge. To get to the engineerium, we need some help. Best to shimmy up round the back. One at a time, the Greenhands gang climbed up onto the shed. Jenny went first, bracing herself in between the wooden side of the shed and the wall. It was easy enough to get up. Getting down the other side of the wall was easy too. There was a huge pile of logs up against the far side. Jenny helped Wilf and Laurie up. Then they helped the next children, while she stepped onto the top of the wall and clambered down the log pile. Soon everyone was in the garden, James coming over last, closely followed by the two rats. The Engineerium was a big Victorian building. Like St. Bart's Church, it was made of bricks, but it was nowhere near as big as a church. Two large engine houses were connected by a single-storey building, the Boiler House, with a huge chimney rising between them. The only light was from a half-moon in the clear sky. Zen scuttled across the neatly trimmed lawn. The grass was wet underfoot and muffled their footsteps perfectly. Past a large pond, through a hedge, and soon they were outside a big double door right in the middle of the building. The rat knocked twice with the butt of his pike, and the door creaked open. Two more rats appeared. One had two axes swinging loosely by its side. The other wore a three-cornered hat and had a cutlass resting nonchalantly on its shoulder. It was quite a piratey look, set off by what looked, in the moonlight, to be silvery hair curling out from under the hat. Neither rat was anywhere near as big as Zen, but they both looked mean and hardy and cutthroat as they come. "'Glad you could make it. Me and Mish were thinking you'd bailed,' the axe rat said rather loudly before being kicked by the other one. I mean, it said in a hushed tone, come in, the place is all yours. The rat threw open the door and stepped to the side. Mish, the pirate rat, did a kind of curtsy with a hand flourish that was not in keeping with their cutthroat demeanour. Jenny hesitated, not fully trusting of these two mercenary companions. Zen and Bobby had no issues, breezing through into the building, so Jenny followed them and the gang followed her. When they were all inside, Jenny plucked up the courage to speak to the axe rat. 
Where are the animals being held? she asked. Not our problem, the axe rat said. Is it, Mish? We're just the door guards, Mish said, a tuneful lilt to their voice. Any animals are out of our jurisdiction, I'm afraid. Let's split up then, Jenny said. There are two boiler rooms, and I bet the animals are being held in one of them. I'll go left with my group. James, you go right. If you see any guards, come back this way to find us. Arthur had printed out some floor plans of the Engineerium, which he'd found online. It was quite a simple layout. Two big engine houses connected by the boiler room. They were currently in the back corridor, a bare brick space that ran from one engine house to the other. Creeping along the corridor with Zen next to her, Jenny was hoping that they wouldn't run into any nasty creatures. The plan was all about sneaking in, using Laurie's bolt cutters and other tools to free the animals, and then sneaking out again. They had brought bags to carry any imprisoned animals in case they couldn't walk themselves. Worst case scenario, they had Zen's pike, and one of the Noahs had brought a hockey stick too. Rounding the corner into the engine room, Jenny was braced for resistance, but there was none. The high two-story space was silent and empty. The half-moon filtered through the high, dirty windows, casting shadows from the old iron walkways once used to service the great steam-powered engines. The engines were long gone now, and there were no cages and no prisoners anywhere to be seen. Just to be sure, the gang spread out and checked for evidence. Over here, Juan whispered, a feather. Sure enough, there was a brown feather on the floor next to a dusty metal grate. Another one here, Arthur said. Adrian found another. They seemed to be in a line toward a sturdy door that led through to the boiler room. Everyone get behind Zen, Jenny ordered, and stay quiet. Zen readied his pike and stalked forwards. Jenny silently opened the door to let the rat through. All clear, he said a moment later. Empty. The children followed him in. The boiler room was as empty as the engine room had been, only it was smaller and gloomier, with only one small skylight to let the moonlight in. On the opposite side of the room was the door to the other engine room. Jenny was just considering whether to go through it to find James, or if it would be better to go back around, when the door burst open and James and Bobby ran through. Oh, James said when he saw the others. We found some white fur and figured the Empress was in here. He led the other children into the room. We found feathers, Jenny said. I think they were in here, Laurie said. I found some... But what he found was drowned out by the sound of the two boiler room doors slamming at the same time. Night-night, Mish's voice came through the door. This'll teach you for fighting me years ago, the axe rat shouted from the other. Open the doors, Zen shouted, or you'll feel my pike again, and this time I won't be so gentle. No chance, the axe rat said. The ringmaster's paying us a pretty penny for this. She knew you were going to come snooping round here. Whatever she's paying, we'll double it, Jenny shouted through the door. Oh no, Mish said. We're not falling for no human tricks. And no funny business while we wait for the ringmaster herself. We're watching you. We'll triple it, Jenny said. But there was no reply. Are we stuck? Micah asked, a touch of uncertainty in his voice. Yes, but not for long, James said. Get your torches out, everyone. There's got to be another way out of an old building like this. 
The good news was that with the twelve torches turned on, the room turned from gloomy to bright and airy. The bad news was that apart from the two doors and the small skylight, there were no other ways in or out. The worst news was that Arlo needed the toilet again. Hold on, Arlo, Jenny said. Just cross your legs for a minute. How long until the ringmaster gets here? Wilf asked. I think we have a while, Jenny said, and she doesn't have to hurry. It's not like we're going anywhere soon. They turned off most of the torches to save batteries. Laurie had the idea of boosting one of the rats up to the skylight to see if they could get out that way. It was pretty high, but with Zen on Juan's shoulders and Juan on Wilf's shoulders, they managed to get high enough for the rat to check it out. Ah, that's what they meant. He rammed his pike hard into the window, making a loud noise, but having no effect. There's pigeons out there, he said, watching us. But the thing won't break, it's thick plastic. What about the key to the air? Wilf asked from the bottom of the rat-human-human ladder. Can we use that to get out? Only if we don't mind ending up in Tibet, James said, or falling hundreds of metres to the ground in Preston Park. Not if we float through, Jenny said then we should all float. But we might end up floating into space, James sighed, and I can't remember the whole word for Preston Park. Well, perhaps I can remember the first two symbols. Anyone got paper and something to write with? Adrian had a notepad with him, and Arthur had a pencil in his pocket. James drew out the first two symbols. They look right, Frank said, and the last one started with a house shape, I think. Between James, Frank, and the jiggling Arlo, they got the last symbol into shape. Jenny started to believe that this just might work, and James started to practice drawing the strokes with his finger. What about ink? Wilf said. Don't you need ink? Everyone looked expectantly at James. He shrugged his shoulders. We don't have any ink, he said. This is never going to work. Is it like a cartridge pen? Wilf asked. Because my granddad gave me one once, and it was really messy. The attention turned to the boy with the shoulder-length blonde hair. Great story, Wilf, his brother said. Can someone write that down? If we survive, I'll tell it to my grandkids. I haven't finished, Wilf said. It was messy because there was always ink left on the nib, even when the cartridge ran out. James carefully took the silver nib out of his pocket. Can someone shine a light over here? A second later, eleven torches lit him up like a Christmas tree. One is enough, he said, blinking in the lights. Just Jenny. She held her torch on his hand. He turned the nib over, and there, as Wilf had thought, a little blob of black ink was glistening on the underside. There is some, James said, but not enough. We can dilute it, Adrian said. I've got my water bottle with me. The mood changed instantly. This was their way out. Using the lid of Adrian's bottle with a tiny drop of water, James managed to dilute the ink to make enough to draw the three symbols. I think we only get one shot at this, he said. There's not enough ink for two goes. Then go for getting the symbols right, Jenny said. Don't worry about going fast. Maybe try to get the portal over the tall trees, Juan suggested. Will we really all float? Noah C. asked. Don't make a mistake, Noah B. warned. Take your time, Arthur said. No hurry, Adrian added. I need a wee, Arlo said. Quiet, all of you, James said, and he tore out the page with the pencil symbol sketch and got a new page ready. Kneeling on the floor, he traced the three symbols out over and over again with his finger. Smooth and even, Micah said. 
Those were the bishop's words. Smooth and even, James said under his breath. He took the silver nib and pushed it onto the feather, then dipped it into the drop of diluted ink in Adrian's bottle top. Then he took a deep breath, and... Wait, Micah said. That last symbol's wrong. There should be three horizontal lines, remember? Jenny looked at the last symbol. It looked fine to her, but then she hadn't been there when James was practising. You're right, Micah, James said. That was close. I'll add the third line when I draw it. Smooth and even. Everyone held their breath as he started the first symbol near the left-hand side of the page. It came out beautifully, and the second. By the time he was halfway through the last symbol, the ink was getting thinner and thinner on every stroke, but James managed the whole thing perfectly. The room was silent. Is it working? Arlo asked. Standing up, James held out the quill and moved it up and down a few times. His shoulders slumped, and the whole gang exhaled in a big sigh. Wait, he said suddenly. I can feel something. It's working. Quick, form a line holding hands. I want me at one end and the rats at the other. They arranged themselves in a human plus rat chain, holding hands and standing in a circle, while the portal started to grow between them on the floor. I feel weird, Micah said. It's like when you go over a bump in the car, only it's lasting forever, Laurie said. I need a wee, Arlo said. Not long now, Arlo, Jenny reassured him. She couldn't take her eyes off the portal. It was dark, as it should be at this time in the evening. Once it's large enough, I want the rats to go through first and see if they can reach something to anchor us to, James said. Then, when we know it's safe and we can't drift off, they can pull the rest of us through. Nay bother! Zen said. I haven't felt this light in years, Bobby said. We'll get anchored and pull you through fine. What is that? Frank said. It's all stripy. The portal edged open, growing as large as an exercise book. Jenny peered through to see what they might be able to reach and use as an anchor. But all she could see was the dirty red and white stripes of the big top.